If you like to try new ideas, today's episode is definitely for you. Uh, some things you maybe hadn't thought of before, some things you might even want to insert into your own Christmas traditions. So today we're going to talk about ideas that are friendly to the environment. Now, we don't mean in an overblown, you know, uh, global warming kind of way, but just things, simple things to reduce the amount of trash that you throw away or other things that, uh, you know, help be a good steward of the earth. Right, Randy? Uh, Right. We're going to talk about eco-friendly holiday celebrations. Uh, I wanted to comment one thing first. Uh, This article was written by Jolene, another one of our outstanding naturopathic doctors. Um, I had somebody ask me this week, well, why isn't Jolene doing her own thing? Jolene's got a, uh, a single, uh, she, she has got a single parent who has health issues. And so she is not free. This time of the morning, she's getting him ready for stuff that she does. And so mm-hmm. we normally don't get to, sit, to listen to Jolene. But Jolene is one of my very best researchers. And she puts a lot of time and effort and writes very long blogs. Now, mm-hmm. if you read the blog that accompanies this particular podcast, the podcast is 10 minutes long. This particular blog is eight pages long, mm-hmm. and it's got lots and lots of information about both the history of, uh, of the holidays and how we came to them. Um, she's uh, highlighted something on Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, many other uh, ethnic celebrations that take place during uh, during uh, December. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then she's given several of the things that people from all of those cultures do to celebrate. So it's quite a nice historical perspective on the holidays and things that different people do during those holidays. And so you're going to give your listeners an executive summary of the high points. A very, very light executive summary, but there's a lot of detail in uh, in her blog. So read the blog that accompanies mm-hmm. this, and you'll find an awful lot of information that I'm not able to cover the health in the patch, 10 minutes. Thehealthpatch.com under the resources Under tab. the resources, and in that case, look under resources look at blogs mm-hmm. right now you're under resources under podcasts, podcasts so you right. can get it both ways and you get more information under the blogs than we're able to do in the podcast uh, the first area that she covered was greenery and and in about a three-page part of this she's covered holly and mistletoe and making wreaths and what we do with trees uh, it's interesting to me that um uh, most of us think of the trees that we use at holidays, but what we may not realize is that most of the time they're evergreens mm-hmm. because in the early days of celebrating with trees, which goes all the way back into the 14th and 15th centuries, uh, they were using the greenery to remind them that spring was still going to come. Mm-hmm. Uh, winter was such a time of dead stuff and leaves that were gone and, and uh, snow and cold weather until uh, the reminder that spring was around the corner Mm-hmm. Uh, about mid-season into the winter season was very, very uh, positive to them. And they used not only the trees, but they made boughs, and they used holly and uh, hung holly everywhere. It's interesting to me that even the Egyptians fill their homes with green palm rushes uh, during mm-hmm. the holidays uh, just to remind them that the uh, that, that death was not the, the end, all, end all be all and that there was still life to come. And so that was a biggie for them. My wife likes the smells. Yeah, I like the smells as well. Evergreens uh, smell. Uh, I, uh, Kim had said that one of her sons can't stand the smell of evergreens, mm. but uh, uh, but at any rate, it's something that we like. It's particularly mm-hmm. cedar. I think she was talking about. Yeah. And yeah. cedar is kind of tough for every all of us, or for many of us. Yeah. Has a lot. Of, a lot of people have cedar allergies. Oh. But there are other green trees that you can use other than cedar. Um, also, uh, mistletoe. 
Uh, mistletoe was held sacred by the Norse, the uh, Celtic Druids, and the North American Indians, and they all thought of it as a symbol of peace uh, and, and of the divine essence. So it led to romance and fertility and vitality for men. Uh, uh, it's also one of the reasons that you find uh, people wanting to kiss under the mistletoe uh, because of that romantic thing. But it's also interesting to me that one of the uh, countries uh, used mistletoe whenever it was around. People had to lay their arms down and had to be friendly. It was part of the culture. And so it's always become something that talks about peace and affection. And those those two things tied together for mistletoe. Who I knew thought, that a tree fungus could have such power? That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Um, the first documented use of trees at Christmas um, has been argued between people in Estonia and Latvia. They both claim to be the first, but it's interesting to me that the uh, Estonians were using it in 1441 and the uh, Latvians in 1510. They were using the trees specifically for celebrating during the holidays, mm. and uh, it's gone on to, to be more and more and more beyond that. It was the introduction of uh, in, in uh, Germany back in the 1500s. Uh, they would parade a tree down through uh, uh, the town, and it was followed by a guy on a horse, uh, which was an early representation of Santa Claus. Mm. So that began to take place back in the 15th century. The first printed references for using a Christmas tree were also in Germany in about 1584. Uh, a historian there was talking about what was going on in Latvia and Estonia, and he began to write uh, and said that young men uh, I'm going to quote this, went with a flock of maidens and women, first sang and danced there, and then set the, the tree all aflame. I don't know what that's supposed to envision in our minds, but that was the use of the Christmas tree back in the 1500s. Well, that was Balthasar Russo, right? Yeah. yeah. I'm just trying to sound smart. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I couldn't even pronounce it, so I just skip <laughs> over that part. Um, there's, there's so much other stuff that deals, though, with uh, what kind of a tree do you use. And um, uh, one section she's got is on real trees. And inter interesting to me that says that today 98% of the real trees come from tree farms. Only about 2% right. of the people actually go out into the woods and cut their own. Mm -hmm. That reminded me of Liz and I first Christmas. We've been married 52 years, so this will be our 52nd Christmas together. Mm -hmm. And we now use an artificial tree, but for most of our married life, we use live trees. And we lived in a very small apartment. We had our last year of college, and the, the, the apartment had a little living room, a bedroom about the size of the bed, mm. a kitchen that had a table for two, and you couldn't put a bigger one in there. Mm -hmm. uh, but in our, we went out into the woods in Fayetteville, Arkansas, to find a... Um, to find a Christmas tree, and we found a cedar that we thought was just the perfect tree. It seemed to be the right size. We cut it down, took it up the stairs to get it into our, our living room, and found that it totally filled the living room. <laughs> <laughs> and we used uh, covered, um, uh, we, ju we just painted uh, a bunch mm. of uh, uh, spaghetti noodles no. and uh, and glued them together and those were our, our Christmas decorations. Nice. Here, 52 years later, we've still got a half a dozen of those that we stick on the tree. Oh, a couple great. of them are kind of broken up. Bring back memories. Jolene also covers stuff on artificial trees, uh, living trees. I, I wanted to note that something that we have not always done but we're doing now is getting really small little living trees that are in a pot and using them as decorations on the table. I wanted to comment to our readers that if you, tr if you contact Arbor Day, mm -hmm. Arbor 
Arbor Day Foundation replaces much of the forest that keeps burning in the United States all over everywhere. Mm-hmm. And as one of their fundraisers, if you'll make a donation to them, they'll give you a table tree that's a little spruce that you can have on your table for a decoration. So, mm-hmm. okay. uh, And then that money goes to uh, replace some of our burned out forest. An interesting thing that you can do to make the world better uh, mm-hmm. as you celebrate the holidays. Uh, she's got a section on tinsels and uh, stockings and candy canes. I had one comment that I wanted to make on the candy canes. That's that they were originally <laughs> they were originally made by a uh, uh, folk in folklore in 1670 in Cologne, Germany. The choir master didn't want the children interfering with the singing, and so he went to a candy maker and said, "Make me a candy stick that I can pass out the kids, basically to keep their mouths shut while mm. our Christmas program is going on." Interesting. And then he said, "I need to tie it to the holiday some way or another, so bend the end of it so that it looks kind of like a hook, and we can call that the shepherd's hook as we talk about the uh, the the nativity." Gotcha. And so, uh, and then the white came to be known for purity and having a life without sin. Lots of stuff that goes into candy canes. And the red is the blood of Christ. And is the that... red is the blood of Christ. Okay. That's exactly right. So that's the reason we got red and white in our Christmas candy canes. Mm. Uh, the last thing that I really wanted to cover in, the, in this particular thing on Julian, like I said, this thing is eight pages long, and you really right. need to go to the blog because there is a lot of really good information there. Mm-hmm. But the last couple of three pages are recipes, and she's got recipes for making a twig wreath, for fashioning cinnamon clay ornaments, fashioning holiday garlands, pine cone bird seed ornaments. Mm-hmm. Another part of the eco-friendly stuff is to do things that will help to feed the environment. And you can feed the birds with your ornaments after you've hung them for a while if you use some of these recipes that she's got here. That can be fun. Uh, bread bird seed ornaments, uh, beeswax candles, uh, soy candles, peppermint sticks, a recipe for making those. So lots of good recipes in addition to the eco-friendly things and the, and the great history that she's put into the, to the holidays. Excellent. Great ideas. Thehealthpatch.com under the resources tab and uh, blog is there for all this information. And uh, we'll see you next week. All right. Thank you very much, Joseph.